Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. The Apostle John was one of the primary contributors to the New Testament. Of course, best known was his gospel, which is rightly called the gospel of life. But he also gave us three epistles and the concluding word to the entire canon of Scripture, the book of Revelation. They all have their unique place and function in the Bible, but they bear a common thread or emphasis, and that is the divine life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen to his marvelous opening to his first epistle. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we beheld, and our hands handled concerning the word of life. Stay with us today as we enjoy this tasty appetizer and see how it typifies the focus and burden of all of John's crucial writings. John Pester has joined us in the studio for our program today. Great to have you here, John. Chris, I'm happy to be here. It is a tasty appetizer because these books, with their emphasis on the matter of the divine life, as we've seen in the first couple of programs, they draw our spiritual appetite, don't they? These books, all of John's writings, certainly are outside of the realm of doctrine. They really are in the realm of feasting, enjoyment, and even this word eating. We have to realize that the Apostle John is consummating the divine revelation, and in his consummating words in both the gospel, the epistles, and in even the consummating word in the entire Bible, his emphasis and his focus is on eating and enjoyment. Yeah, and that, I think, is a, a good summary, kind of a capsule of the burden of the program today. We'll hear Witness Lee, I think, in all three sections, make this point from different angles, but really underscoring this, because uh, I think if we lay hold of it, it changes a little bit how we approach uh, the Gospel of John and John's other writings, his epistles and even Revelation. And uh, oftentimes, uh, scholars and theologians uh, wrestle a little bit, especially with his gospel, because it's just in nature somewhat different than the other three, isn't it? What certainly is, and I think this is a point that hopefully will come out in this program, is that the emphasis in all of John's writings is not doctrinal. And because of that, uh, we can get bogged down in a lot of doctrinal points if we want to. But John's real desire is to bring all of the believers back to the experience and enjoyment of the divine life which has been imparted into us through our believing in Christ. I've gathered a couple of verses. You know, specifically our topic is First John, but as we've seen in the past couple of programs, when Witness Lee gave this life study, he was burdened to connect it to the whole body of work that John uh, contributed to the New Testament. So we'll see some references to his writings in the Gospel, to uh, some of the key verses and passages in Revelation. And I've gathered just a couple, I think, to underscore this very same point that you were just making. We will hear him say, in fact, that the entire sixth chapter in the Gospel of John 
John is uh, more or less devoted to this matter of eating. And I use this term in the opening appetizer purposefully because I wanted that identification with uh, food uh, to be there because it's really key, isn't it, in John's presentation? This concept of God as our food is foreign to many Christians. They think of God as our supervisor or God as our judge, but they don't really understand and appreciate and enter into the experience of God as food. I think it's very important to realize that most of these references that our witness Lee is going to speak about in relationship to eating come directly from the Lord's mouth himself. The Lord is the one urging us to eat him, to enjoy him, to fellowship with him. And uh, just to underscore that point, if you have a red-letter edition of the New Testament, you'll see that these words I'm about to read are some of those in red. Chapter 6 of the Gospel of John, and I picked verse 35 and verse 57, but as we said, you could take just about the entire chapter. Listen, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall by no means hunger, and he who believes into me shall by no means ever thirst. And then verse 57 As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. And here's an offering from Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Hard to miss it now that we see it, isn't it, John? It's very, very plain. All right, here's Witness Lee, and then uh, John and I will return with some fellowship. John's writings are for people's enjoyment. When you come to a feast, you don't come there to study all the courses. Your study will frustrate you from your enjoyable eating. When you come to John's writings, either his gospel or his uh, epistles uh, or his uh, revelation, these are courses of a feast. In the entire Bible, no other writings stress the matter of eating so much. Of course, Paul also mentioned something concerning the spiritual eating, but not so much as John. Let me tell you, you have one nearly complete chapter on the matter of eating. That is chapter 6 of the Gospel of John. The Lord tells us that he is the bread of life. Even he says, he that eats me. Even he shall live because of me. You see, the word eating there in John 6 is a strong word. Such a word coming out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus surely is not common. I am the bread of life. He that eats me. This is eating. And eating is a feasting. Then... In his revelation, firstly, the Lord says, He that overcomes, I will give him to eat the hidden manna. Then, he that overcomes, I will give him to eat the tree of life. Then, he says, also, I'm knocking. If you would open up yourself, I'll enter into you and uh, sup with you. And you will Faced with me. 
All these are what? All these are enjoyment of a rich eating. And then at the end of Revelation, you have the river of the water of life flowing, and you have also the tree of life growing on the two banks along the river for us to eat. How much John's writings are on the central view, a view of eating, of enjoying. John, you mentioned a moment ago that many Christians, probably it's safe to say most Christians have either overlooked or just not been aware of this matter, this aspect of the divine revelation, the Word of God, presenting God to man as a kind of feast. We just heard it again. I was thinking uh, even Genesis, the Bible opens up with the tree of life. And the last chapter, as he pointed out in Revelation, concludes with the tree of life. So from end to end, it seems like we're, we're seeing this now again and again, aren't we? From end to end, there's the eating of the tree of life. There's man placed in the Garden of Eden in front of the tree of life and instructed to eat. And at the end of the divine revelation, there's the tree of life available for all who have washed their robes that they can eat. And most Christians think that the Bible is about redemption. But really, the focus is on eating and enjoying and having fellowship with the triune God. Uh, Because I really appreciate this verse in Revelation 22.14. It says, Blessed are those who have washed their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life. The goal of God is to get his people to the tree of life. For that, there is the need of redemption. But for in our Christian experience, uh, God's purpose does not end with our believing in his son. We have to, from believing in his son, we have to go on to experience and enjoy him and eat him in fellowship as the tree of life. And the real key is this word life. This word life doesn't mean eternal living forever. This word life refers to God himself. God desires to have fellowship with us in life, through life, and with him as life. This is a hard job I'm going to ask you now, but um, because time is short, what do we mean or what are we referring to when we say we can eat Christ or eat God as the tree of life? What is the eating? Well, you know, I think we should just go right back to John 6 because in John 6 where the Lord gives this very lengthy word about eating him, uh, by the time he was finished, his disciples were thoroughly confused. And they said, this right. is a hard word. I don't know <laughs> if I can take it. Because when you hear the word, we need to eat the Lord, you may think there's some kind of a cannibalistic uh act going on. But the Lord quickly corrected his disciples because they had that thought. And what the Lord said was, the flesh profits nothing. In other words, eating his flesh profits nothing. The words that he's speaking are spirit and life. And so it is the word of life and the divine life that's in the word of God that actually supplies us, sustains us, and nourishes us, and helps us grow in fellowship with the triune God. We have to be people who eat the Lord by eating and coming to the word and devouring the word of life. Mm. All right, let's come back now to the topic at hand specifically, this first epistle of John. And I read this verse at the beginning uh, because it is such a striking way to open the book. But because of that, I want to read it again. And I'm going to add another verse from the Gospel of John that makes a similar point. Uh, Again, 
1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we beheld, and our hands handled concerning the word of life. And now from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. Here's Witness Lee once more. In this epistle, John firstly serves us with an appetizer, the word of life. It's wonderful. It's wonderful term, the word of life. No doubt, here, John's intention was to serve us with the divine life. But in order to uh, open up your appetite, open up your taste, he serves us a course of appetizer. And this is the word of life. What is this? Such an expression, no doubt, indicates to us very strongly and definitely that his epistle is a continuation of his gospel. In order to understand the word, you have to go back to his gospel. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and in this word was life. And this life was the light of man, and this word became flesh and tabernacled among us, full of grace and truth, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten. Isn't this wonderful? This word is life, and this life expresses God. You mean in prayer? This life expresses God? How could? You don't need to know how could. You just eat. For you are in my Thanksgiving Day dinner, and you saw the turkey, you say, holy, holy, holy. You don't see that. You say, sit down. Help yourself. I tell you, after such a dinner, you will express something. Life, after being enjoyed, expresses. And God is life. And this life is not just God, but also a word. We all know the word speaks, the word defines, the word explains, and the word so expresses. God speaks for himself. But listen, today our God speaks not only from the heavens, but even more through us. By what way God speaks through us? By our eating of him, by our enjoyment of him. John, there's a wonderful, profound point here at the end that I'd like you to develop, but before we get to it, I just couldn't help but uh, pick up the phrase he uttered there, referring to those who come to the Thanksgiving table. And really, this is the word that the Father is trying to give to all of us today 
everything is done, redemption is done, sit down and help yourself. Everything has been prepared. All things are ready. We need to be people who come to the feast. Even in Corinthians, Paul says uh, that we need to be people who keep the feast. All right, now let's touch this uh, this profound point in relating the matter of expression to uh, the word of life. Well, this is very important. The Gospel of John begins with the verse that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was the expression of God, the speaking of God. But then it says the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The Word took on a physical form and began to manifest and express God in a deeper and more thorough way. And everything that the Lord did when he was living on the earth was an expression of God. He was manifesting God whether he was just walking and saying nothing or whether he was speaking and giving a teaching. It wasn't just his words that were expressing God. It was his entire being that was expressing God. He was the Word made flesh. And in our experience and enjoyment, when we begin to feast on Christ as the Word of life, that same process begins to operate in our being. Our words, our actions, our deeds, just our simple human living begins to be an expression and a manifestation of God. And it all comes out of the reality that God is life and he is available to all those who have received him. I would say this revelation that is the composite of all of John's writings, this understanding or apprehension of God in this dimension, that he is food to man, is, you know, the overarching umbrella, I think, that we have to keep above all of his writings. Yet at the same time, he was also burdened, in, particularly as he got into this first epistle, to develop a point as an antidote or an inoculation against a heresy that was invading the church at that time. And therefore, when we come to chapter 4 of First John, we find some writing that is important to pick up. So let's look at two verses here. In chapter 4, in verse 2, And in this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit which confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And then it goes on and says, and every spirit which does not confess Jesus is not of God. Uh, So here he is underscoring again this importance of us not just believing, but even being able and willing to confess that Christ came in the flesh. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This word is the expression of God, is the word of life, is incarnated and manifested in the flesh, and he was from the beginning as he was so manifested, subtly and tangibly. He was heard, he was seen, he was held, and he was even handled by the apostles. Here is a little background. At the last part of the first century, while Paul was still on this earth, Gnosticism invaded the church. These uh, Greek philosophical Gnosticism stressed strongly that every physical thing, every material matter is evil. So Jesus or Christ was never in the flesh. Flesh is a material. So flesh is evil. Christ could never be uh, in the evil flesh. They made Christ so abstract, 
So the Apostle John was burdened. In writing his gospel, he inserted this word, flesh. As far as God goes, it's somewhat mysterious. But this word became flesh. This is no more abstract. It is solid. It is tangible. Then in his epistle, he says the very divine life, which was abstract, but now since becoming flesh, he was not only heard by us, but seen. Not only seen by us, but held by us. Not only held by us, he was handled. And this expression is a kind of antidote to uh, inoculate the uh, believers against all those heretical teachings. John, I think this was helpful background to really understand the context in which John was writing. But even more so, I'm impressed at least, there's an application for all of us today uh, not to make Christ and Jesus so abstract as to be distant and removed from us. If anything, it seems the apostle was really striving to tear down that kind of distance and barrier between God and man. That kind of distance and barrier between God and man is based upon a false spirituality. We have to take the Word of God for what it says and what it presents. And it says very clearly that God was manifest in the flesh. Now, it's a mystery as to how that manifestation occurred, but it's not a mystery that he was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says this, and we say amen. In fact, it's so critical for us to realize that Christ is not some abstract holy figure set apart from humanity to such an extent that we can hardly have any uh, fellowship other than a kind of holy, holy, holy reverence that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But it's so important to realize that because Christ came in the flesh, redemption was accomplished. Without Christ being manifest in the flesh, the shedding of the blood would not have redeemed us from our sins, and thus our robes would not be washed, mm-hmm. and thus we would not have right to the tree of life. Right. Our right to enjoy Christ is based upon the fact that God was manifested in the flesh. We shouldn't have this kind of abstract view of God. Uh, We should have this very practical realization that God himself joined himself to humanity, became flesh, died on the cross, accomplished redemption, and then in his resurrection released his divine life for us to experience and enjoy. And this uh, makes God very subjective. Not abstract, but very subjective, very personal, very enjoyable. And another word comes to mind in that list that you uh, were just enumerating there, also enterable. It seems like John's writings really give us an on-ramp into the divine life, doesn't it? Well, he's very enterable because he is the tabernacle of God, and we need to be those who enter into the tabernacle. We need to be those that enter into Christ and enjoy Christ as everything. It's surely clear that John's burden was not that uh, he would present us with great high truths and doctrines, but he was really presenting us the Christ of life and the way for us to take him in. That which we've seen with our eyes and our hands have handled, we need to be people who, in a spiritual sense, see Christ every day and handle Christ every day. Wow. Uh, Enjoyable fellowship. This was an appetizer, tasty, and uh, my appetite is kindled. So I hope you'll come back, John, and join us again in the studio as we enjoy these programs. I enjoyed it. 
And we invite you also to call us if you would like to uh, get the Life Study volume that contains 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, as well as Jude. Call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. For John Pester, I'm Chris Wilde, and thanks very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one, and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening.